Well, good morning to you. I'm Joel, one of the pastors, and we are going to do what we always do. We're going to jump into the Word very, very quickly this morning. Um, before I read the passage we're going to jump into, though, I want to read a different one. We're in the book of Hebrews, yes. I'm going to be preaching Hebrews uh, chapter 4, 11 through 16, but I want to begin with something that Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 has been speaking about continually. It's been speaking about rest. It'd be fun exercise for you. I did one of my Bibles. I grabbed it, and I went and circled every time the word rest is there. And you'll be amazed at how many times you see the word rest. Matthew 11, 28 and 30 says, just go ahead and just, if you would, ignore everybody else around you. Just breathe for a moment, and here's what it says. Listen to the word of God. Come to me, all who labor or heavy laden. Anybody here working hard, a lot going on, heavy laden, got stuff happening in your life. If, that, if you have anything happening in your life, raise your hand. Come to me and I will give you what? And I will give you what? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Right, the rabbis always taught about that, taking the yoke of the kingdom of God, which is really saying, I will submit to God's rule. I will, I will submit to God's reign. But he knows that a lot of people won't do it. Uh, Jesus quoted uh, Jer- in Jeremiah chapter 6, where it says, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. Find rest for your souls if you walk in it. And it says, but they responded, we will not walk in it. They weren't willing to take the yoke upon them. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And then it says, you will find what? For your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is telling people, if you're here a week ago, if you mix trust and faith in me with everything else that you have going on, you're going to find rest. But if you don't do that and you're living according to your will, your way, you're not going to find rest. So quit being all upset with me. So it's, it's not complicated. If you trust in me, if you come to me, if you walk in the, the path that I am walking, guess what? No matter the storm, you'll find rest. No matter the hardship, you'll find peace. No matter the difficulty, I will be with you. But listen, if you choose not to mix me in trust and faith in the Almighty God and His Son, Jesus Christ, if you choose not to do that, it's on you. Quit playing the victim. Why? Because true rest is, is best found. This is Hebrews 3 and 4. I'm giving you a summary before we get to our text today. True rest is best found in fully submitting to God, striving to walk as Christ walked. So if there's a part of your life in which you're not doing that, it's on you. And I tell you, I think we all have stuff going on. Right? We all have craziness happening in our lives. And so what I want to do is I just want to pray with you guys. I'm going to ask if you've got something in your lap, you might want to set it down. I just want to pray with you. And I want to pray that we'll be open and receptive to the word of God. So would you pray with me right now? Let's just bow bow our heads and just go before God.
God, you've taught us so much about rest. And one of the great reminders for me is that if I don't submit some area of my life to you, I actually can't expect to find rest. I'm only adding anxiety and worry and hardship and difficulty and so much more. And I know that there are people in here who have financial issues, who may have job issues, who have relationship issues, who have problems with the neighbor or family or stresses in their life. And they just don't have rest. And so God, Holy Spirit, fill us. Holy Spirit, may we breathe you in and release to you all of our monies. It's yours anyway, God. It's not ours. Holy Spirit, fill us. Take our relationships, our marriages. Holy Spirit, fill us. Take our worries. Holy Spirit, fill us. Take our physical woes, our difficulties, our problems with health. Holy Spirit, fill us. May we breathe you in. Take the week that lies before us. May we reflect your goodness. Just breathe God in. And may we know, God, please, what it is to find rest in you. Amen. Amen. So that's what he's been talking about. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, this is how we can find rest. And now we jump into the last few verses of chapter 4, and that's what we're going to be able to do today. So what I'd like to do, who's ready for the Word of God? Let's stand for the reading of it. And I'm going to give pause occasionally, and when I do, you're going to know, it's going to be on the screen in front of you, you're going to know that's when you call out those words. So we're going to have some participation in the reading of the Word of God today. Hebrews chapter 4, 11 through 16. Let us therefore strive to enter that so that no one may fall by the same sort of for the Word of God is... And active, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of, of joints and of marrow and of discerning the thoughts and intentions of the And no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked. Oh, wait, I should get you to. But all are. There you go. And exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great. Lord, oh my goodness. Since then we have such a great who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with draw near to the throne of that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the word of God. You may be seated. 
So we know, again, Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 4, it's all about being able to find God's rest and what it is to find rest in Him. Uh, Rest is only found in trusting and having faith in who Jesus Christ is. So last week, we were really challenged, right, to, to say, okay, you have to be able to combine faith and trust in Jesus in every part of your life, to blend it in, to mix it in. If you're not doing that, you're actually not going to find rest and peace. It's going to be a continual strain. You can get business promotions, you can make more money, and yet you can actually have more stress, more worry, because you haven't mixed that in with faith and trust. You can be friends with someone, but if you haven't given that friendship to Christ and mixed your faith and trust into having a healthy relationship, that can create anxiety and worry and stress for you. That's what we're learning. If you take any part of your life, if you don't mix in faith and trust, you're going to actually have greater worry, greater anxiety, greater depression, greater problems, greater difficulty, greater distractions in all parts of life. And yet we want to have rest. Before, guys, here's one way I would encourage you. Before you put anything else on your calendar, maybe I'm preaching a little bit to the guy on the stage right now. Before you put anything else on your calendar, before you incorporate any other relationship into your life, before you have any other conversation, before you even look at speaking to somebody else, ask yourself this, before you take on anything new, how can I incorporate and mix in my faith and trust into this situation? And if you don't have clarity on that, say no. Because otherwise, you're not going to have rest. And we need to strive to rest. Verse 11, and the, the original intention, if you really want to preach Hebrews 4, uh, I would prefer typically to preach Hebrews 4, 13 through 16. I'm adding 11 and 12 um, and, thir- and part of 13 only because I, I couldn't get through all of it last week. Um, but here's what 11, verse 11 of chapter 4 is saying. It's saying, hey, therefore... Strive to enter rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And it's referring, of course, to the people of God, the Israelites. We know that the first generation was unable to enter into the promised land because of their disobedience and because they did not find rest in God. They were unable to do that. So this is referring back to something that happened thousands of years prior. And it's saying, you better work your tail off. Strive. That's what that means. You better work your tail off. To submit everything to God, to mix in your faith with every part of your life, because otherwise you will fall to disobedience. Those other things will begin to dominate your thinking, dominate your heart posture, and as a result, it will lead to disobedience, and disobedience led to the people of God not being able to enter into the promised land. You think you're any different? That's what we've been hearing the last two weeks, too. You're not the exception to the rule. You're not. So here we have verse 11, strive to enter the rest, strive to place your faith in Christ, strive to trust in God, because if you don't, you will fall to disobedience. And then it reminds us, now uh, Hebrews, I'm only jumping into verse uh, 12 here, Hebrews has four or five passages or verses that are absolutely phenomenal. I get to hit two of them today. Hebrews 4.12, Hebrews 4.16, absolutely wonderful verses. Here's what it says. Verse 12, for the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and marrow, marrow, right? Discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It's saying, listen, you better be diligent 
to make sure that you're striving to benefit. Verse, four, uh, verse 2 of chapter 4 It's what I really preached last week. They didn't really apply themselves because they didn't find benefit, profit, right then and now for the Word of God. But you better strive to incorporate it into your life because it is living and active. Another translation is living and powerful. Right? Think, think of this. Here, here's Hebrews chapter 4. We'll just, just do this like this. Here we go. For the Word of God is living and active. Friends, um, this, this is living and active. Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I know that we've ripped the Holy Spirit out of the church today, but many people have not around the world. There's great revivals happening. Just the majority of them are not in the West because we don't trust and have faith in Jesus. We trust and have faith in ourselves, and as a result, we're collapsing. No shocker. I actually don't mind what's happening in America right now. Can I tell you why? Because we don't know persecution. We know inconvenience, and yet the Word of God says that where there's persecution, the gospel grows. I'm not about being comfortable in my life. I'm about promoting Jesus Christ. So if that means persecution, bring it because more people will bow their knee before my God. It's all in the way that you look at it. Right? I don't wake up every day and go, God, give me, please, give me a life of comfort and ease. I say, God, please let me be used to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those are very different prayers. And so here what you have, chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active. And so many people, listen, all I can, the, the, if I speak on my own behalf, without the word of God, all I can give to you is inspiration. But the living, award, the, the living word of God gives transformation. One is temporary, one is forever. I'm not what is alive. I'm dead. This is alive. I only have breath in my lungs because I'm alive through the power of Jesus. So we would think, right, because of the way that we, we, we process things, hey, here's a living person on the stage, but by myself, all I can do is inspire, which is temporary, it goes away, and the next person who comes to try to inspire you tomorrow, if they're, if they're smart enough and if they have a funny, funny enough story, maybe you start to follow something different. I'm dead, I only have life because of the saving power of Jesus Christ. This is alive, and the Holy Spirit works in our heart to just say, wow. You're with me, yes? Like this, we got to get this. This is the living word of God. And God, soul competency, priesthood of the believer, he has given us an opportunity to dive into the living word of God to allow us, even in our living rooms, even in our bedrooms, even outside, even in here, wherever we are, to allow us to experience the living power of God for it to come alive in our life. It's telling us that it's, it's sharper now, it hurts, though. So this is perfect. Who in here is perfect? Raise your hand. See, my wife's not in here, so that's why I could ask this one. All right. Somebody make sure she hears that. Um, so it says, sharper than any two-edged sword. So here's the living word of God that is active and powerful. But, and then instead of saying, it's awesome and magnificent, look at what it does. It says, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. <laughs> okay. It's piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Piercing. Piercing is not a word that I hear. That's fun. 
of joint to the marrow, of discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, I, I could spend an entire message on just verse 12, and we could talk about words like living and active and spirit and soul and joints and everything else and how it's, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. But what it's, what it's conveying is very, very simple. The living word of God is perfect in all of its ways, and it is sharp because that sword that is perfect without fault, fault it, it is from God, every single bit of it, it will pierce your soul of anything that is not of him. And we're all sinners falling short of the grace of God. And so knowing that we're all sinners, it is going to convict you. And some people, upon, you know, everybody responds differently to conviction. Anybody wake up today and go, man, I can't wait for some conviction today. Anybody? Not, nobody does that. Well, maybe a, occasionally at Chapel Point. But like, nobody says, man, I can't wait to wake up and get some conviction. But the living word of God is a two-edged sword. And it will pierce you to your soul. It will, it will assess who you really are. So here, here's a few things you need to know about this passage, especially 12, 13, 14. Now we'll get to all these verses. One is about the sword. Here's the sword, the living word of God. It's active, it's powerful, and the sword, it penetrates our heart. You've got to know this. It penetrates our heart. And that's not an easy thing to understand sometimes. But friends, you cannot hide from God. That's why some people, they look at, they, because we live in a world that says go for self, you just be who you want to be no matter what, because we live in that world. And we do live in that world because of that. Some people go, well, that conviction, I'm just going to spit it out. I don't want anything to do with it. But for others, it's going, others go, wait, you know what? There's truth in this, and I need to alter my life. I need to change who I am. And the world, it's hard, because here, there's, there, there, there are sinful desires. Everybody has sinful desires. And so we chase sinful desires sometimes because the world's saying, just do whatever you want, be who you are. And everybody's yelling at that, but the Word of God is saying, no, don't do that. I can tell you where it leads generation after generation for thousands of years of humanity we see the same thing happening it, we do and then finally the society breaks it can't handle it anymore and they run back to god because of persecution and the hardship that comes and right now we're in a society that's all about self and we have a decision to make whether or not you will allow the word of God that is living and active, that is powerful, to penetrate your heart. Verse 13 very clearly says, listen, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Here's the other thing. The eye sees our heart. God sees our heart. Nothing can be hidden from him. Nothing can be, you can try, you may think you have some deep, dark secret. You don't. God knows. You can't hide it. So then we're also reminded, though, that Christ, who is our high priest, and in the last several weeks we've spoken about Christ as high priest, Christ, the high priest, knows our heart 
and he has empathy. 14 and 15, this is great news. I'll come back to someone 13, but 14 and 15. Since then, we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. He gets it. Remember, Jesus has been from the very beginning. He's always been. But in human flesh, he's been 2,000 years ago. He came in human flesh, and he came because he can now empathize. He can have sympathy for the temptations that we have in life because he's been tempted in every way. I mean, how many of you, seriously, let's think about this. Hey, like if you were to have been here, you know he was tempted to boast. Fish and bread, and all of a sudden he's got a few of each. He's like, boom, feed everybody. That was cool, right? You know that would be boasting, right? I, I would, anybody, if you could do that, would boast a little bit. Hey, guys, check this out. The guy who was just lowered through the roof, watch this. Walk. That's <laughs> so cool. Right? Hey, you know that girl, Roman official's daughter? I know that I'm not even with her right now. I don't need to touch her. She's healed. That, can you do that? You know he was tempted to boast. You know that he was tempted to do so many different things, yet he never did because he's perfect. He would never give in to it. And so here what we have to be reminded is that we're, we're being told that the living word of God is active, that it's powerful. It will penetrate you. There will be conviction in your life, but you have a choice to make of whether or not you will also understand that you have a great high priest who empathizes with you and loves you and adores you and is here for you. That's great news. It's wonderful news for us to process, but we need to also understand how we get to that place. How can we actually get to a place of rest, of trusting in him? Well, he tells us in this passage, verse 14, he says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. I want to, I want to sit on this for a moment. Hold fast. Here's what the words hold fast mean. To remain tightly secured. You can write it down. The words hold fast. To, to remain tightly secured. Another way to think about it is to remain tightly anchored to. Like nothing can move it. There's giant anchors, right? I was going to even, I was going to have one out, out here, like biggest anchor I could find. I wanted one that weighed thousands of pounds kind of thing. And they told me it wasn't a good idea. But I wanted one and I'm going, because some of those are big boats, right? Some of the anchors, there's chains on some anchors. Just one link can weigh 150 pounds on some of the big ones. Just one of the links of chain. They're massive. And he's saying, listen, this is how you do it. You hold fast to your confession that I am God. You do the godly until your heart catches up. You hold fast to your confession. And too many have released their confession. There's no trust. There's no faith. Here's a good way to think about it. Second Kings, if you would just write this passage down. I'm not going to have it up here, but I want to read it to you. It's about King Hezekiah. Second Kings 18, 5 and through 7. And this is what it says, because this is about Hezekiah holding fast to God. And, and it says, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah. So, okay, this is, this is fantastic. You got all these kings. You got southern and northern. One of those is Judah of Israel. And it says, 
Like, so when it's talking about one of these kings and it says no one else was like this guy, why? I want to, like, right away I read this and go, why? Why was there nobody else like this among all the kings? There was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. Why? Because for he held fast to the Lord. He would not relinquish his faith and trust in God. It didn't matter what his advisor said. It didn't matter what the, the people around him told him to do. It didn't matter what he was pressured to do. It didn't matter, right? Wouldn't it be great? I pray for a day. I don't care if they're a Democrat. I don't care if they're a Republican. I pray for a day when the United States has a president that is so unashamed of Jesus Christ that they scream it every day from the top of the White House. That's what I pray for. I don't care who it is. I'm not saying anything bad about anybody. So what I'm saying is don't speak badly about anybody. Pray that that comes. Pray that that comes. Right? This last week, another story for you, William Tyndale, right? Tyndale Publishing celebrated the, the day that he was put on the cross because he, right? 15 years ago, no, I'm sorry, burned at the stake. He was burned at the stake 1500s because he thought everybody should have the word of God and the ability to read it. Well, the religion, the organized church said no way. The organized church, not the church of God, the organized church said no way. They burned him at the stake. His last words were praying that the king would one day come to know Jesus. He did. And then within four years, everybody had the opportunity to read the word of God. Don't tell me we don't have a living word of God that is powerful. So here's King Hezekiah, and we're like, man, we need to hold. you got to ask yourself, are you holding fast to your confession like Hezekiah? Because here he is, like no other kings, no one before him, because he held fast to the Lord. He never, here's another way of saying it, he never compromised. He never compromised. He did not depart from following him. Nothing could pull him away from following God. Right? There are people in your life, everybody here, if you claim Jesus Christ, there's got to be somebody in your life trying in some regard to pull you away. Well, why don't we do this? And it's not of God. And you're like, well, I guess it won't hurt. And you don't recognize the path that it's going down that is causing you to, to lessen your grip on your confession of Jesus Christ. So he did not depart from following him, but he kept the commandments of the Lord that God had commanded. Wherever, as a result, this is what happened. Wherever he went, guess what? He prospered. Go figure. He rebelled against the king of Assyria, would not serve him because he was only going to serve the Lord. It's an amazing passage, 2 Kings. He held fast. Holding fast means that being anchored to, being tightly secured. And some of us, it's just like last week with the mixing bowl, we haven't, we haven't allowed faith, we haven't allowed trust to truly be mixed in with some part of our life. We're not holding fast to Christ. And we assume it's going to be okay. We literally release faith and the word of God, step away from God, and we go, it'll be okay. Really? So let me, let me ring a giant bell, give me something, to make it a sound in your brain, to let you understand. If you know the Word of God, and if you're measuring something according to the Word of God, and you know it's not that it's something He desires, and you step away from Him, guess what? It's not going to end up going that well. And that's not on God. That's on you. 
We need to hold fast. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. You can hold fast to the confession because you know you've got somebody who in every respect has been tempted just as we have been. So this is what we want you to do as a result. Verse 16, I want you to come with confidence, draw near. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Because you know that you are a sinner, because you know there's hardship, but because you recognize that God sent his son on this planet, on this earth, in order to be able to come and to empathize with us, to have sympathy for us, to be able to walk with us. We can trust him. We can, we can place our faith in him. And so we can come before him to the throne of grace with confidence. Another translation says, let us then with boldness. Confidence and boldness. Those are powerful words to combine. You can be confident about it, but then kind of shun away. Come with boldness and confidence before the throne of grace. Why, why can't we do this? Well, because we know that we will receive mercy and grace in our time of need. When I look at this passage, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I'm, I'm, I'm questioning how many people really have confidence and boldness in who Jesus is. Like that you know that the creator of the world has got your back. Like I've spoken about that here uh, with, with the leadership and the elders because I know that as long as I am preaching the word of God, that's the requirement, right? That's my job. As long as I'm preaching the word of God, they've got my back. You know what that does to give me boldness? They've never said, as long as you're a good enough communicator, Joel. They've never said, as long as enough people like you. They've never said, as long as you make people feel good enough. All they've said, as long as you preach the fullness of the word of God, we've got your back. You go preach. And so there's a boldness and a confidence that, that comes. And what, what I'm trying to let you know is it's not a bunch of Yahoo elders that are saying this. This is God letting you know that you can have that type of confidence and boldness that he's got your back. Just go live for him. Hold fast to the greatness of who he is because every one of us has some part of our life that we are truly saying, you know what, this is mine and it's, I'm, not, I'm gonna step away a little bit from that faith, a little bit from that trust. I'm gonna do it according to what the world is telling me to do we all have it every one of us but now we can come before his throne of grace with confidence and with boldness we're reminded that even though our sin is known to God verse 13 he knows what it is to be tempted even in Matthew chapter 4 
by the, by the devil. He knows what it is to be tempted to, to show everybody how great he is. He lived here. You know that he could have had so much self-pity in his life. Right? He could have lived by the words of many kids today. That's not fair. This isn't fair. This isn't fair. That's adults too. This isn't fair. But he didn't. He was tempted to lie, but he didn't. Here, here, here's another way to think about it. I, I want to conclude. I want to give you, I want to give you a multiple choice test question. Everybody, everybody loves tests, right? Um, and this is what it's going to be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read through. Don't put it up there yet. Don't put it up there yet. Um, it's all about life choices. And there's going to be four options, A, B, C, or, oh my goodness, A, B, C, or, yeah, that's not hard. All right. Um, and I, I simply want you to be honest with yourself about which are you, because this is going to be a reflection of how you process and interpret Hebrews 4, 11 through 16. Because we can hear something and we can even confess something. But simply because we hear and confess doesn't mean we truly believe that it's soaked in. Right? We have a choice to make. A, B, C, or D. First one. Some people are going to read this. This is when it's going to come up. There it is. Some people are still going to just simply deny that there's any struggle in life and that you need any help because you're awesome and you share nothing about your life with anybody. Anybody married to one of those people? Just think, don't raise your hand. <laughs> like some of you are about to start dancing. Like that's some people. We're not holding fast to the confession of our faith in Jesus Christ and as a result, we just deny that we need help. I'm good. I have that problem. Like, I'll tell you, there are certain parts of my life, I'll just tell everybody, I'm good. Like, crazy stuff would happen. I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. They're like, no, you're not. I'm like, yes, I am. And I'm like, why? Is it pride? What is it? So some of you just, you're going to deny, and this is where you are. I just want you to be honest. This is self-reflection time. Some of you are B. You're going to ignore the hardship of life by running to sinful desires to drown it out. Alcohol right? Sex, food, comparisons, insecurities. Like you're, you're all bogged down and this person over here doesn't like me, even though that person isn't being godly, but you don't, you don't care about that. You just know they don't like you and what are they going to say about you? And so as a result, you ignore the real hardships in life and you just drown it out by living in other things. So every time you're stressed, instead of going to the Word of God and calling out, Lord, please, Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me your peace, your direction. May I hold fast to you. You go for a run. Or you go look at porn. Or you go buy something different that you don't need. You're like, okay, I know I have 73 shirts in my closet, but it's just not enough. And you go buy more. And you don't even give it away because if you give it away, what if you wear it one day? It comes back in style. Bell bottoms are not coming back in style. Give them away. No, I, I know it's funny, but serious, guys, 
And so we just ignore the hardship of life and we drown it out by rather than holding fast our faith and trust in Jesus, we replace it with other things. And it never turns out well. Guess what you have to do? Keep replacing it more and more and more. Somebody who buys something to find fulfillment, guess what they end up doing next week? Buying something different. Somebody who looks at porn to find fulfillment, guess what they end up doing? Looking at porn again, right? Somebody who starts drinking to find peace and rest, guess what they start doing? Drinking more. Because it never works. It doesn't work. Some of you are C. You just give up and live in self-pity. I met somebody recently, they're like, well, you don't know what happened to me eight years ago. And I just said, friend, I don't. I don't. I'm not going to act like I do. But I know that my God if you hold fast to him, is powerful enough to deliver you from whatever happened eight years ago so you, you can step forward into a life of joy and trusting in him because he has so much more for you. But they just can't do it. They can't get over that. And again, I know every situa- situation is unique. I'm not trying to be callous to it. But I'm letting you know God is victorious over every brokenness. Every hardship, every difficulty, my God is greater than. And so some of you are C, you just live in the self-pity. But really you have to ask, are you D? Are you in a place where you actually go to the throne of grace, who is the great high priest, and you live in the understanding that he absolutely adores you? Because that gives such a... Con- if, you, if D is the answer, you walk out of this place and you're telling everybody about the love that you've encountered through the living God. It is living and alive, the Word of God. You've got a living thing, the alive, powerful Word of God. Every day you can wake up and read and you let it sit there and collect dust. And it's because we haven't been in, just enamored by the Holy Spirit filling us because we don't trust that it is. There is no way you can say that you're living in D and not pick this up and be enamored by it. It's the one reason I'm, it's, it's, I have to preach because I know this. I cannot get enough of it. Like it, I cannot get enough of it. I have looked at so many people and in so many situations and the only time true fulfillment is found is in the name of Jesus. But we keep running to other stuff. It's like, what are we doing? Is D true for you? Will you hold fast? Don't let anything, don't let anything remove it from your grasp. Because you trust so deeply in the power of His Word. It is greater than all of your insecurities, all of your weaknesses, all of your depression, all of your problems, all of your failures. He is greater. He is better. Come before the throne of his grace and receive his mercy. Yes. And so, Lord, I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, and I ask that you give us strength. Allow us to come before your throne, to hold fast, so fast to your word that nothing can remove it from our grip because our heart has embraced it so deeply. 
May we gather together and declare your, your greatness and how wonderful you are. May we declare it with our voices and our lives and by the decisions that we make every day. We adore you, God. We praise you, Lord. Amen.